through worship and a time of fellowship. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we are going through as a church, we're going through the, the Gospel of Mark. We go through books of the Bible here in our messages, our Sunday morning messages, but um, sometimes throughout the year there are appropriate times to uh, take a break from that and look at specific things from God's Word that we want to talk about. And so this uh, Christmas season, we are taking the opportunity through the month of December to, um, to remember not only Christ's first advent and what Christmas is all about, the coming of Messiah, the birth of Jesus Christ, but it also reminds us that we as a church look forward to the second advent, the return of Christ as King. Is that awesome? That is something that we do as a church. It is, we say, our living hope. He is our living hope. And that is the hope of the church, is that our King will one day return for us. And so throughout the month of December, we're going to look at these four traditional themes of Advent, and that is hope and peace and joy, and then, of course, love. And that leads us to the last Sunday in December, and then, of course, that following Monday night is our special Christmas Eve candlelight service that everyone is invited to come and, um, and join us in. And so more about that throughout the month, but please make sure you will put that on your calendar as well to join us for Christmas Eve, sort of the culmination of our Advent season. You know, um, there's been this sort of uh, ongoing debate in our family uh, around Christmas lights. So for the first time this year, we bought some of those icicle Christmas lights that we hung around, but they're the kind that twinkle and blink on and off. And uh, we've been looking at them, and uh, we decided to put them inside the house. They look really cool, but we're kind of sitting there and staring at them and wondering, do we like this idea of these lights going on and off? Is this something that we're going to get used to? Never had that before. So I was wondering, maybe we could just take a little survey, a show of hands. How many of you have Christmas lights in your house that blink on and off? Any of you, you, gotta, you like those? And I guess that, that's a no, no. Okay. All right. I'm not trying to start like a big debate or anything, but um, so I'm assuming the rest of you kind of just like the solid lights. But here's maybe a more I- important question. Do you go on your Christmas tree, do you go for white lights or colored lights? How many of you are white? White lights. That's good. So the rest of you are the ones who are wrong. Is that what it is? You're the ones who... The colored lights? That's okay. Well, you know, I say um, when our kids were younger, um, there was a time where we had a, a big enough space and we had two trees. We had a, a, a real tree that we would cut down as a family and then an artificial tree. And so we had white lights on one and then we had colored lights for the kids on another one. That was a good compromise. But um, I, for one, I, I really appreciate the, um, the white lights, the solid white lights. But I think these blinking lights have kind of grown on us. So we'll see. We'll see what, uh, if they last through the, the month of December. But um, so far, we're enjoying that. We, uh, like many of you, we took the opportunity on the weekend after Thanksgiving to start decorating our house and getting our tree and, of course, putting the lights around the tree and um, it's a great reminder, as this morning as we look at hope, we're going to look at one verse from the book of Isaiah that will be our focus, and it's all about light. Now, our theme is hope, but the two are connected, inseparably, uh, inseparably connected because of this. 
Because of the light, we can have hope. And we know that there's a lot of scriptures that talk about the contrast of light and darkness. And this one is one of those that we remember, especially this time of year. So we'll get to that in just a second. But you know, we have these trees up on the stage that um, we love to see and we decorate them, if you notice, with solid white lights. <laughs> maybe next year we'll do, maybe next year we'll do blinking colored lights. How's that? I don't know. Some of you even go for those, you know, maybe like it's all blue. Have you seen those? No, we don't. Okay. But you know, we have these, these lights and, and some of you might know this, but it's a good reminder. The history of the evergreen tree as a Christmas tree and then the lights that are put on and it goes way back a few hundred years at least but the idea is pretty simple but it's it's so profound that the evergreen tree is named appropriately because it is green throughout the year and the evergreen tree they look so nice during the winter especially when there's snow on it but the idea is this that an evergreen tree like our Christmas trees represent hope they represent life during a dark and the dead of winter. They represent the fact that there is still life. You look out the window and the window and the snow is blowing and it's it's dark because of the clouds and we think of sort of that idea of winter. The darkness comes the days or it seems darker and all that, but yet the evergreen tree, the Christmas tree it's still alive. It is still green with life and with hope throughout the year. And then traditionally what happened is people began to put lights on their trees. Now it started with candles. I can't even quite imagine that, that you would put an actual candle that you would light and put it on the tree. And that was sort of how the tradition started. But again, you add to the fact that you have this tree that is green and alive throughout the year, even during the dead of winter and the darkness of winter, but yet you add lights to it. And it's a great visual, isn't it? The fact that there is light in the darkness. For us, Jesus Christ is the light in the darkness. Christmas time certainly is a celebration of what we call the first coming, the first advent of the promised Savior the coming of Messiah. But as believers, we not only celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas time, but we also eagerly await with great anticipation the second advent of Jesus when He returns for us, His bride, His church. But you know, a big part of our lives, if you think about it, centers around anticipation. So much of our life is spent anticipating what is going to happen next? You ever think about that? That so many of the enjoyments in life are built around the fact that we are anticipating them. Now, Christmas time is a, a great um, reminder of that. How remember as kids, you're just anticipating, counting down the days for Christmas when we get to open those presents. But it's a great time of anticipation. It happens when we plan a vacation, we're going to take a trip, we're going to a special sporting event or whatever it might be in our life, a milestone, a wedding, whatever that might look like in your life, there is this aspect of waiting. This idea of anticipation. You know, it's that idea of longing for or looking forward to something that is going to happen. 
Well, that really is what the first Sunday of Advent is all about. It's our expectation which leads us to hope. Now, church, we are the people of hope because we are to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. And wherever there is light, there is always hope. Isaiah 9-2 says this, and this is our verse for today. It's from that very well-known passage. We'll look at other parts of it throughout the month. But it's that great passage that goes on to talk about, for unto us a child is born, and for unto us a son is given. But what does Isaiah 9, verse 2 simply say? The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. See, these are words of great hope. They were great They were words of great hope for a people long ago. The ancient people of Israel for so many years ago. It was a great hope for them. It was a prophecy by the uh, prophet Isaiah who talked about a day when the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer who was promised to them would come. But see, these words were written, and this can't be lost on us, church, that these words were written in a great time of darkness. A great time of despair. If you look at the rest of Isaiah, even the the rest of that chapter and the ones before it, it gives a great scene, a picture of what was going on in the history of the nation of Israel during that day. There was a time of judgment. There was a time of great disobedience and sin. And what that had led to was a time of exile. Now we know that's part of the history and the story of the people of Israel. They had been separated because of their disobedience from their God. And so you know what? They were in a land filled with spiritual darkness. But cutting through that darkness were these words of light and these words of hope. For Isaiah brings this word from God to the people who were in great darkness and despair. He brought these words that very simply says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. He was prophesying about the coming of the Messiah. He says, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, not just darkness, but deep darkness, on them has light shone. Can you imagine? People who were in great despair, who had lost so much, who could not see the light at the end of the tunnel. They were given these words as words of hope. But God spoke these words through His faithful prophet Isaiah to say to His people, because a light is coming, you can have hope. Now these are familiar words to us, but we don't want the familiarity uh, of these words to dampen how incredible they are, how awesome and glorious this great news is. It is nothing less than Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of those beautiful names of the baby Jesus. It is God with us. See, Isaiah prophesied about it. The Gospels proclaim it as a truth. Isaiah was a prophet who spoke on God's behalf so long ago to a people that were desperate for hope. But let me ask you this. Is the world any different today? 
Is the world still in desperate need of hope? Yes, it is. We see it around us all the time. But you know what? We also see it in our own lives. It's not just out there. It's not just the people that struggle with homelessness, the people that are sick. It's not just, it's we as well. We see it in our own lives. We can see times and seasons of darkness when even as followers of Christ, we can find ourselves in times of depression and despair. But because God is a God of all hope, He shines a light on those who are in the darkness. Now I had a very interesting week and I wanted to share some of it with you this morning. And some of it's quite personal, but I think it's important because you know what God was doing this week and as I'm praying in the preparations of this passage and looking at just this one verse, God led me into three separate scenarios, three separate sort of vignettes and scenes in my week that led me directly back to this passage, reminding me not only is the darkness of this world real and people's darkness is a reality, but the reality of the light and the hope of Christ is a greater reality. For greater is He who is in us than He was in the world. Kept coming back to me. And so on Thursday, I got together with some pastor friends and and we get together, you know, every uh, month or two, and um, we have good discussions, and we encourage each other. So I sat down at this meeting on Thursday morning, and the first thing that the pastor, the one of the pastors, uh, said, he was the pastor of that church where we met, and he said, uh, he said, listen, we might be interrupted in our meeting this morning because last night, he said, a lady had called his church about four or five times. And she was wanting to meet with a pastor to pray over her because she claimed she was possessed by a demon. And so here I was, I sat down with my cup of coffee and thought we were going to just have a good, encouraging discussion about what's been going on in our lives and encouraging each other about church and ministry. And right away, he says, we might be interrupted by this. And sure enough, as soon as he was done saying those words... The secretary came in and said, there's a lady at the door and she wants to speak to you. And so we went outside and we took her, uh, we met her outside and she was there and she looked like she was a woman in despair. Her name was Joanna and it was me and a couple other pastors and um, he kind of uh, introduced us around to Joanna and so Joanna, what can we do for you? I know you want us to pray. Can you tell us your story? And she went on to tell us that she truly believed that uh, she knew God, but she believed that she was being oppressed by some kind of dark spirit, she called it. And she said this demon was making her feel like her head was on fire. And she went on to explain these very um, elaborate and very detailed things about what she felt. She called it a hymn, this thing was doing to her in her body. So we stood there listening and not diminishing anything she was saying, of course, and listening to her. And we went, each one, to, to, uh, to talk to her. And we asked her, can we put our hands on your shoulders? Can we please pray for you? Because here is what we believe. Now, of course, we, you know, we, we, we step back and we think, how do we know if this is actually what's happening? Maybe there's a mental illness there. Maybe there's some other things going on. But regardless, there is a woman who is experiencing a deep darkness in her life. 
and she is calling out to God, she is in need of hope. And so all we could truly do was share the Word of God with her, the Gospel, the good news of Jesus, and pray for her. And so we did and we prayed and we asked God to bring relief and healing from whatever it was that was causing this great despair and darkness in her life. We prayed over her and when we were done, she just kind of looked at us. She said, I don't feel any different. I still feel it. We encouraged her with these last words. We said, do not give up hope. And just as I was about to say it, the pastor to my left said, you know what, there's a story from the Gospel of Mark, and it's the one that we just covered last week, where the apostles, when Jesus was being transfigured for a few, in front of a Peter, James, and John, the other apostles were trying to cast out a demon. You remember that story? And they failed miserably. And Jesus then tells them, when they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do it? Do you remember what the answer was? He didn't pray. He said, these things can only be done in light of prayer. Another gospel says prayer and fasting. And he told that to the woman. He said, we're going to continue to pray for you. So here I was. I thought I was just going to a nice, you know, morning coffee with some pastors. And right away, all the next thing I know is that we are praying over a woman who believes she is possessed. Friday morning, Claudia and Julie and I went to a funeral of a boy who was 13 years old. And now this, uh, by all accounts, would have been a very difficult time, a time where there is, of course, a lot of mourning and despair and, of course, darkness when you lose a child. But this child was special. He had special needs. He couldn't communicate all that well, and his name is Roosevelt. Roosevelt was a very special boy to our family and to many families. So we got to the church where the, uh, the funeral service was, and it was packed out. The pastor got up and said, this is not a memorial service. This is not a funeral. This is a celebration of Roosevelt. See, Roosevelt, even though he could not communicate so well through all his disabilities, he loved to worship. He would sing at the top of his lungs, not even always the right words to the right song, but he worshipped God. He was touched by God in a very special way that perhaps none of us could be. He had this quite unique connection to his God because he knew that his God loved him. And therefore, he loved others because of it. And he worshipped God. That whole morning, we thought it would be just a time of of mourning, gathered around the family and all of the other siblings, all adopted, by the way, by this loving Christian family. But no, it was a time. It was a time of celebration. At a time of worship, there was a band up there rocking to these worship songs because that's what Roosevelt wanted. So in a moment where it should have been, from all accounts, a time of despair and darkness for the family and all those people that Roosevelt touched, no, it was a time of great hope. It was a time of great hope because why? Because he was a light in a dark world and he was a light to so many people. What a great reminder it was that the world around us certainly is dark. We know that death brings such a darkness, doesn't it? Sickness does in our lives and the people we love. But yet God, 
through Jesus Christ, the day we're about to celebrate, the day when God enters history, He brought light to dispel the darkness. And He did that on Friday morning. Through celebration, the life of Roosevelt. So last night, Claudia and I got together with some dear friends that we haven't seen in a while. Dear, dear friends that are believers and have been in ministry a long time. And there are some things going on in their life we didn't know about. Here's a couple that um, their they're two girls are older. But they're going through a lot. When you talk about things that create darkness in our lives. and Things that can bring um, a cloud and the shadows to, uh, to sort of create this pall over our joy to take away some of our vision of that light at the end of the tunnel when our friends are going through it. They have two daughters who are both struggling with immense personal issues. I don't have to go into it, but things that are life-changing events in their life that they are struggling with that are just creating so much heartache for our friends. Not only that, they both got injured last year and are both dealing with some lingering pain and issues. You could see it on their faces, multiple surgeries. And then our friend um, just found out that she was struggling with something like a brain aneurysm. She had just a terrible headache and migraines, and they've ruled out some more serious things, but it's a thing that's an unknown. And of course, when you don't see the light, when there is the darkness, it is unknown, right? Why do we like to have a nightlight as little kids, or some of us as adults? Because the darkness means it's unknown. We cannot see. So our friends are struggling. And then we find out that that, um, the wife... She just um, was let go of her job of almost 40 years, one that provided all the income for the family. And it was just pulled out from underneath her like a rug. So they're sitting on our couch, and again, here we thought we were just going to have a nice time of coffee and fellowship. And, but you never know, church, do you, what God's going to bring into your midst, into your home, into your life, what those conversations are going to look like. So it was an evening at ministry. We love these people dearly. And so what were we doing? Just sharing the hope of Jesus Christ. These are people that know it. But church, don't we often, even though we are people of hope and we know the hope we have because of Jesus' first advent and the hope we look forward to of His return, His second advent, but sometimes in life, There's a darkness that can begin to overwhelm us. It's those things in life, the loss of a job, a serious illness. It's issues in relationships with our friends, whatever it is that can lead to a darkness or despair. That was how I spent most of my week. But I was reminded that only in Christ is there a true hope for the darkness in this world And in our lives. See, what did God do on that Christmas morning? He revealed Himself to us. You remember the Christmas story when the angels came and it said, what was it that shone all around them and the shepherds? It was the glory of God. That was the light that the world needed. It was God's glory come in the person of Jesus Christ. See, He revealed Himself. What happens when the light is revealed? We can then see again. Our vision becomes clearer. Don't we need that every day? A clarity of vision? See, the baby Jesus was a visible sign of the hope of God. 
It was that incarnation. It was God come in the form of human flesh. A visible sign because of God's goodness and grace. Because He saw the world was in darkness. And He wanted to remind His people of the promise He had made. He fulfilled His promise and sent the Savior. But did not Jesus also promise us, church, the people of hope, He promised us. He said, yes, I must go to a place you cannot come. But I leave you the Holy Spirit as a seal, as a reminder of my promise. But I promise that one day I will return. So please do not despair. The disciples despaired. Jesus, why can't we go with you? And he said, I will return. And that is the blessed hope of the church today in this world. That He will return for us. He is the light of the world that overcomes the darkness. See, that light increases vision. It expands horizons. Without vision, people perish. It is God in His goodness revealing Himself to us. Is that not amazing? That the God of the universe chose to reveal Himself to us. He did that because... He loves us. But our verse says not only that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, but it said people that were in a deep darkness. Did you catch that? I mean, dark is dark, right? Have you ever noticed sometimes the night seems a little bit darker than others? And maybe there's cloud cover and the, and the, the moon isn't shining, the, the stars aren't shining. Sometimes it seems even darker, uh, darker. The people were walking in a time of deep darkness, the worst of all darknesses. But how does God dispel a deep darkness with not just a light, but what kind of light? A great light. That is the great God that we serve. A deep darkness is overcome By a great light. Jesus Christ turns our eyes towards the light. For He is the light. But now church, we are to be the light. We are to reflect the light to this world. So my question is, asking myself this all week. Where do we place our hope? Do we place our hope in other people? Do we place our hope in money and finances? Do we place our hope in, even in our children, in relationships, in our health, in the things that our money can buy? Where do we place our hope today? Our hope should be placed in only one person, and that is Jesus Christ. For we are to hope not in all of these other things, but in God and His promises. And Jesus Christ is the promised light from Isaiah 9-2. He is the promised light that would dispel that great and deep darkness. The one that would shine on people. Notice also from that passage, it wasn't a hope that people could generate on their own. Did you notice that? It was a light that they would see. We see things not in ourselves. It is a hope that comes from outside of ourselves. It is a hope that we cannot generate on our own. It was a light that they, that God shone on them just like when He sent the angels to declare and proclaim the birth of the Lord Jesus and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
John chapter 1. Many of you are probably even thinking of this passage. John chapter 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When's the last time you read that? What a great way to start that beautiful Gospel of John, is it not? Giving us the picture of Jesus Christ, a baby born in the manger, all of those visuals that we picture this time of year, that He is the light of men. He is the light that shines in that deep darkness. And the promise is made right there. The darkness cannot overcome it. Doesn't that give us hope? No matter what is going on in our lives, in the world around us, whatever it is that causes darkness and despair, whatever it is that causes a depression, whatever it is that can bring you to a point of questioning, is there really value in me? Is there really hope? Should I continue moving forward? God promises us right here and proclaims it. The darkness cannot overcome it. See, a little bit of light will dispel all of the darkness. A little bit of light dispels the darkness. Jesus is the great light that overcomes a deep darkness. But let's remember this as well, that God will often allow us to wander in the darkness, whether it's a testing of our faith, whether it's a result of disobedience or an unconfessed sin. God will allow us to wander in the darkness for seasons, but He will always remind us through people, through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, that the light is there. It is the light at the end of the tunnel. So even though we may be wandering through darkness, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because He is there with us and He is the light. There was a time in my life about um, 18 years ago where I began to suffer from the effects of depression. And it continued on for many years. It was a dark place. But you know what? God was shining a light during that time in my life. I didn't recognize it at the time. When the light is still there, sometimes we can't see it because that darkness can seem so deep and so thick. But God was shining a light through His Word and through the people around me, the people that loved me. God uses people, does He not? Does not God use people in our lives to be a light? Has He used you before to be a light to people around you that need some hope? Have you had people speak truth and life and light into your life? Let the people do it. Let God use others to encourage you this season, to remind you that in Jesus Christ and Him alone, we have a great hope. See, hope is not just, it's not just wishful thinking. Hope is truly a joyful expectation about tomorrow, about the future, even in spite of today. But hope always points to the future. 
It reminds us that what is ahead of me is worth moving towards. Because with God, there is always hope. God is present now, but he is also that light at the end of the tunnel. And so for us, church, the great reminder is this, that we are called to be people of hope. That we are called to be the church, the city on a hill. The light that is not hidden under a bushel, but a light that is reflecting the light of Christ. See that? We are now to be children of light. We are to be in the light as He is in the light. Scripture tells us. And so we are to reflect the light of the world. Jesus Christ. So what does that look like as a church? What do we, how do we do that? Even in our moments of despair, how will God use us to be a light? So that the world can see that there is hope. We look around us even beyond ourselves and we see a world that is without hope. A world that is dark. That is in despair. But you know what we recognize? Don't we all need hope like we need air? Like we need oxygen? It is how we breathe. I mean, we are to be the people who live daily in light of that hope. We are as a church to start here within these four walls cultivating a culture that is saturated with hope. We are to be an encouragement to one another about the hope that there is in Jesus Christ, something that sometimes we forget. But then we are to take it beyond these four walls and to be a light to the world. We are a people of hope. We are to bring the hope to a hopeless world. Jeremiah 29.11 is one of those very famous verses for Christians. Some of you have memorized it. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29.11 I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. These are plans for welfare, not for evil, meaning that they are for good, to give you a future and what? To give you hope. And again, just like Isaiah 9 two, words about light and hope written in the midst of darkness, the same thing with Jeremiah. Did you ever read the book of Jeremiah? There is so much darkness in there. The people were in great desperation. So all of the rest of chapter 29 of Jeremiah, and actually the whole book is one that is kind of filled with darkness and hopelessness. Be at right in the middle of that. Here is verse 11. God shines a light of hope to His people even though there is so much going on with them. They cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. The people of Israel are reminded that in the midst of it, God has plans for them. They might not be able to see it yet. Their vision might be clouded by things going on in their lives, creating darkness. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. You might not know it, but I know it. And these plans are for your good. He's telling the people of Israel, you might be suffering now, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm the light. Keep your eyes focused on me, God says. I will see you through the darkness. And on the other side, there is light. 
For my plans, you might not see them. My plans for you are plans for good. To give you a future that will give you hope. Those words spoken so long ago to the nation of Israel are still appropriate for us today as His church. Just like Israel was to be a light to the nations, the pagan nations around them. Church, we are to be a light to this world in which we find ourselves. That is our calling. Do you realize that that is God's plan to bring light into the world? Is that it is us, the church, to reflect the light of Christ? What an amazing privilege. What an awesome calling. One that it can even bring a little bit of fear. Like, wow, this is for us. God is using us to bring light into the world, to reflect the goodness and the grace and the light of Jesus Christ. Just like He told the people of Israel, I have plans for you and it's for good and it's for a hope in the future. He says the same thing to us today. Church, this is a word for us. For the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We have seen a great light in the birth of Jesus Christ. It is the Advent season. It is our first great theme. It is hope. But we only have hope because of the light. As we move into our time of gathering around the Lord's table, this